Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K. F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Steve Loveday. He is VP Technology at Ibex Nutrition. We're going to talk to him a little bit about cannabis in terms of the plant and how the plant operates and the things that make the plant operate differently and better. Uh, Steve is an expert in nutrition and understanding sort of the biology of plants and how the different things we feed them will change the way they perform, change the outcomes that we have. We had a little prep here and he was explaining that the similar similarities to, to fitness and um, talking about doing like Ironman and stuff like that. And it really is dependent on how you feed yourself, the nutrition you give yourself, not only before, but during performance. The same thing is happening with plants and biology. And we're applying this to cannabis. A really interesting part of the cannabis world is the plant science behind it. Uh, and Steve's got some really interesting background and understanding and then applying this technology, applying this science to 
getting better performance out of cannabis grows. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. With that, Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. So why don't we kind of talk about background first, because you have such an interesting background in terms of kind of the science side, you know, and I think everyone kind of gets into cannabis from different angles, but I love the background you have and kind of the the research and really looking at, um, you know, how the biology works and, and how we can apply it in different ways. So let's start with that, and then we can kind of get into what you're doing in the cannabis space. So talk to us about the story. How did you, what was your background? How did you get into cannabis? Sure, Bruce. So my background in growing things actually started when I was just a kid. I grew up in rural Kentucky. My parents had, you know, about five acres of land and we had some fairly large gardens on there. And, you know, during the summers when I was in school, that's where I was with all my siblings working in the gardens, growing things. And it was always fascinating to me that you could put a seed in the ground and then a few months later, put a meal on your table. Yeah. And the fact that it would taste so much better, you know, this is back in the 80s than what you could buy at the store. Mm-hmm. I feel the quality product produces much better now, but back yeah. then it was a huge difference. So that always fascinated me. And I knew ultimately I wanted to do something with my life that involved growing things, being outside, being with nature. And so I ended up getting a job on a golf course in high school. And then I realized that you could actually make a profession out of that. And so I was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was amazed and, and I was on the maintenance crew. So I was in charge of, you know, cutting the greens and maintaining the fairways and all that. So I went to Michigan State University. I got a bachelor's of science in uh, crop and soil science. And my focus was on turf grass management. So I worked for the PJ Tour for about five years, learned a ton. And, you know, you're, you mentioned Ironmans and that type of thing. That was a plant at its highest performance level possible. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, there's so little water that we would apply to those plants. There's so much demand on their performance. And, you know, then you have this unpredictable variable, which is weather. Mm -hmm. So the weather could change and instantly you could be in trouble. The course that I worked at, again, was a PGA Tour facility, and we were an Audubon Cooperative Sanctuary, which was a huge benefit for me in my education, because what that meant was we had this very high level of stewardship that we had to maintain to continue on with our certification with the Audubon Society, right? Yeah. And it was great because I really learned the balance between, you know, pushing a plant to its limit and then again being a steward to nature. So I did the golf course thing as far as a maintenance standpoint for about nine years total mm-hmm. after college. And to me, you know, the further you get up the food chain, the less you get to do what you really or what I really <laughs> wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Right? Which was I wanted to be out with the plants and experimenting and trying yeah. new things and pushing the envelope. So I ended up leaving there and I got a job with a company that was probably the industry leader in biostimulant technology and foliar nutrition for golf turf. Okay. So these people had been thinking outside of the box a little bit. It wasn't just your traditional fertilizers. They were putting some interesting inputs down and getting some better enhancements and performance out of the plants. So about five or six years into that, I thought, man, there's all this technology out there in the world no one's utilizing in golf management uh, for as far as biostimulants and activating things like plant defense systems. I found it fascinating, you know, finding a synergy between the soil or the growing medium and the plant itself enlisting or recruiting the help of mycorrhizae and and the microbiology in the soil, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there wasn't a lot of that work being done. So I started to do my own independent research And in 2011, got a job with a company where I would lead their development team 
to put together what is now the industry leader in golf turf from a biostimulant and nutritional product line standpoint. So we did some crazy things. I mean, we literally, <laughs> we literally, like I've sprayed just about everything you can spray on turf. <laughs> Actually, you know, well, let's, let's understand, I mean, kind of understand what you're trying to do, because I think, I don't think many people think about that. I think even golfers kind of just, you know, assume that there's going to be grass down there, but they don't really think about what goes into that. When you're trying to sort of elevate the performance of turf, like what are you actually trying to get the plant to do? Or what are, what are your sort of success criteria from a golf sort of turf point of view? Like what are your objectives? That's a really good question. So have you ever heard the term plant defense systems, Bruce? No, I'd never. I, I mean, I can imagine, I could sort of imagine in my mind what it might be, but I can't, I can't say I've come across those words put together in that order. <laughs> okay. So let's start with this. Have you ever been hypnotized? Yeah, I think I have once when I was younger, some party okay. show kind of thing. So you know how that goes at any given time, our minds can focus on about seven or so things, maybe eight, maybe nine right? Mm -hmm. And what a hypnotherapist will do is they'll take that focus from the seven or so things and laser it down to one single thing. And then you become susceptible to a hypnotic state. And when you look at that, you may think, wow, that seems like a vulnerability, but it's actually something our minds have evolved to have. It's a defense mechanism. So I'll give you an example of how it could be to your benefit. Let's say you're walking through the woods mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you see a bear mm -hmm. and the bear's not very happy about you being in the woods with him. Yeah. At that point in time, you shouldn't be thinking about what you're going to cook for dinner, what you're going to do tomorrow. You're thinking about one thing and one thing only, and that's getting away from that bear. Mm -hmm. So that's where you know that defense system comes into play. So plants are a little different. We all know that they're rooted in the ground. They can't very well run away from predators. So they've evolved to have these elaborate systems of detection and defense. And what I mean by that, from a cellular level, anytime the cell wall of a plant is disrupted, it has receptors that detect that disruption, and then they instantly spring into action to defend the plant. And it's quite fascinating. What yeah. these plants will do in some regards is they'll start off with actually genetic modification. So they've evolved to modify themselves genetically. They create proteins that help to start this whole messaging system throughout the plant mm -hmm. that says, hey, we're under attack. We have to do things like thicken cell walls. We might create defensive compounds, which will be toxic to whatever's attacking us, be it a pathogen or an insect. Yeah. Maybe we will do things like create bitter chemistries that mm -hmm. when they chew into that, you know, they obviously want to nice, go elsewhere. Yeah. 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 It's a nice way of defense. There's a part of it called the hypersensitive response. And what that is, is the plant will commit cellular suicide. It will literally kill off cells on its exterior, trying to create somewhat of a firewall to stop the progress of a pathogen. Oh, interesting. So it yeah. basically sort of sets up a rope. It's like a fire line. When you're fighting a fire, you like burn off a, you know, a 15 foot strip to prevent the fire from jumping to good, good area. That's exactly right. And so if you think of, if anybody, you know, listening is a golfer and you've ever noticed, or if you're in your home lawn, you've ever had a disease appear, mm -hmm. you'll notice that you don't come out and the entire lawn is infected. Or if you have a piece of fruit that's starting to rot, mm -hmm. it doesn't rot the entire thing. It starts at one spot and then it generally starts to go, uh, grow larger and larger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what's going on there is the plant's able to recognize the infection. It begins to defend itself. And ultimately, when the pathogen wins is when the plant runs out of resources to continue this defense. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And 
it's very taxing on the plants. So that's where some of these technologies that we've you know, developed over the years really come into play and start to be meaningful in that high pressure situation. Yeah. Well, so now in a golf course where you're cutting, like you're constantly cutting the grass and trying to get it, you know, down to certain lengths. So it's funny on one hand, you want it to grow to be lush, but then you want to cut it and not have it not grow because you don't want it to cut it again. I mean, how do you, <laughs> is that considered, I mean, does a plant take that as an attack? I mean, what's the, what's happening inside the plant when you're actually maintenance, when you're doing the maintenance work? Yeah. Yeah. So anytime, that's a great question. You create something called free radicals, right? So so in our bodies, when we're exposed to poor air pollution, if we don't get enough sleep, you know, things like that that are taxing on our body, our body will create free radicals. And then we also create antioxidants to deal with them. Got it. So anytime you go and let's say you mow, run a mower across your front lawn, you're creating these things called free radicals, which is um, it's an oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. And you know, the plant can keep up with it, but if you think about the summertime when it's super hot out, you've got all this pressure on the plant already and environmental stress, yeah. and then you go out and do something silly like, let's say, <laughs> scalp it down, Yeah, <laughs> right? Haircut, there's, yeah. yeah, there's way too much pressure. The plant can't make enough antioxidants to keep up with all of this, and it succumbs to all of the stress. Yeah. So what we try to do and what we've successfully done mm-hmm. is create things that we can apply to these plants that, one, stops the negative impact from all of that stress mm-hmm. so the plant doesn't necessarily feel that injury. And then the second part is we give it tools to bolster the amount of antioxidants it can build to fight that stress. Fascinating. And and when you say things, <laughs> what, is it, yeah. what is it that you're giving them? Because I know you do some pretty interesting kind of tech and, and ideas about how you feed these, you know, how you get those nutrients or how you get these things in into the plant and deliver it. Yeah, yeah. So I can't tell you all of my tricks, <laughs> but I can tell you some. Like, for example, those defense pathways I talked about in the plant, one is called the salicylic acid pathway. Okay. And salicylic acid, of course, is aspirin. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah. yeah. When you apply salicylic acid to a plant, you can trigger this defensive response in the plant. Okay. But just like anything else, dose makes the poison. And that's where all of the research and all of the trial work comes into play because there is a sweet spot. And if it's too little, there's no effect. If it's too much and the the line is pretty thin, if there's too much, then you see negative effects. Yeah. Yeah. So it's things like that. We will use You can use brewer's yeast sometimes because brewer's yeast has certain proteins in it that are similar to the proteins in a pathogen's cell walls. Mm -hmm. So going back to that detection system from the plant, it recognizes that brewer's yeast is a a threat and Mm -hmm. begins to heighten its defenses. Interesting. You you trigger it. You trigger it to go into defense mode. Yeah. So those are some of the old school, you know, basic versions. And then, of course, now we've modified and come up with new things. And yeah. Yeah. And so I, I guess it's interesting because I I can imagine there's there, there's kind of at least three big parts of this. Like I, there's the chemistry or kind of the, the biological kind of chemistry action, understanding the mode of action, what happens. Then there's the, uh, okay, well, where do I get this material? <laughs> like what's, yeah. the, what's the thing? And then there's the whole kind of, okay, well, how do I produce this from a business, you know, economic, almost chemical engineering point of view or, or substance engineering? Like, okay, I, like I know what the reaction is. I know what the material I can use. And then now I've got to figure out how to source this, produce it, put it into bags, sell it, you know, deliver it, you know, all, all the kind of the whole, you know, that whole kind of supply chain thing. So, so you've been doing this on turf, you know, with golf and turf. How, how did cannabis come up? <laughs> how do you go from, you know, <laughs> golf balls and, and golf courses to grow houses and, you know, growing weed? So honestly, 
back in the day, I would be consulting at golf courses and the, the turf manager would start asking me a series of questions. And within probably three or four questions, I would have a question and it would be, are you growing weed? <laughs> and so, you know, then they would, yeah, or I have a friend who's growing weed maybe. Yeah. So, you know, then I started making recommendations. I'm like, oh, well, you're growing cannabis. You want to do this, this, and this. And they'd come back and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is the best cannabis I've ever grown. And I can't believe how, you know, much yield I'm getting, all this. So about two and a half years ago, I started looking into it. I'm an avid gardener. I have Mm -hmm. a grow room in my house that's full of vegetables and flowers. I do that. I live in Michigan, so I do that all winter Mm -hmm. to kind of scratch that growing itch. And, uh I took a lot of the concepts that I use and have had success with, and then I married them with a lot of the technologies that we've been using because, you know, I know that these sophisticated grow operations and cultivation facilities have a lot of technology in them to moderate temperature and to control the entire environment. Yeah. Uh, but even so, you still have micro microclimates uh, and areas where, you know, the plant is a little drier or a little wetter, or a little cooler, et cetera. So that's when some of these technologies really start to come into play. The other part of that, Bruce, was I looked at the cannabis market, and I talked to different growers, and nobody was really utilizing a lot of this technology. It's a, it's a bit kind of, I don't want to say black market, but if you get into, if you get deep into some chat rooms, you can start to hear people talk about defense activation, mm. but you have to really look for it. Yeah. Um, so that was part of it. And then the basic plant science piece I thought was missing. So starting from what plants need from the minute they wake up in the morning to the minute they go to bed at night, mm-hmm. nutritionally, and making sure the plants supplied with those inputs, but then also loading the plant's backpack with things it's going to use to fight stress throughout the day so that at the end, you can have a really awesome yield. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, cannabis being such a kind of high value crop. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, improving the grass on, uh, on the 10th green, you know, is, is good, good for business, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> improving yeah. the yield on a cannabis plant, you know, is, you know, directly puts money into pockets kind of thing. Um, I mean, how, how did you, um, I mean, I guess sort of seeing the need, how did you approach this? Because, um, you know, you're not, you're not growing the cannabis yourself. Um, you have to kind of go to market with these things. Tell us about how you kind of, you know, once you kind of saw the opportunity or you saw there might be a need in the, in the industry, how, how did you go about kind of entering the industry? Who did you talk to? Where did you find purchase in terms of getting some traction with growers? What was that process like? Yeah. Yeah. So, what I started doing was um, there's an interesting technology I haven't talked about yet that I really want to yeah. describe to you. Um, this is probably the most meaningful asset that we have to date. So part of the research team, uh, their job is to travel around the world and they study these plants that grow in ultra harsh environments. And, and those plants are called extremophiles. So it might be a deciduous tree in sub-Saharan Africa that you know not only grows there but it thrives there and say for example if locusts come through and they defoliate all the other vegetation they don't touch this tree Ooh, it can survive wild yeah, kind of outliers. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah exactly and, yeah. and these type of plants exist all around the world so this research team would go and they would isolate what chemicals the plant was producing to be able to thrive in these environments and then they would extract those chemistries 
bring them back to the lab, emulsify them, and put them into a specific like, chemical set mm-hmm. for uh, – it might be for crop production. It might be for turf performance. It might be for you know f- fruit yields, it, just whatever type of uh, strategy they were looking to hmm. uh, enhance. Yeah. So we started working with that team, and I would take some of that material, give it to cannabis cooperators and cultivators – and have them apply it foliarly and then in soil drenches and then mixed in with their nutrients. And the impact was enormous. Oh, geez. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because all of a sudden what you're doing is it would be like taking the the genes out of or the, the skill out of an NBA player and giving it to a guy like me who can barely you know walk and dribble a basketball. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm Duncan, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you get this uh, heightened uh, attributes. Yeah, it's like superfoods. You're kind of finding these these plant superfoods and then feeding it to the you know to a crop that you want to perform in a different way. Yes, yeah. and so the end result is twofold. One is the plant now doesn't have to produce and use all of that expensive chemistry that I described earlier to fight stress. Got it. So it has this surplus of energy. Guess what? It's going to go into fruit production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I would try that. I would, you know, give these materials to people. They were having great success with it. And then as I started to talk uh, to more and more people about cannabis cultivation, I realized some deficiencies out there. Um, And, you know, uh, know, take this the right way. Mm -hmm. I felt like a lot of the brands weren't educating people enough on basic plant physiology and the nutrients the plant needed on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. It was more of like, hey, buy this product, buy this product, buy that product. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, part of the beauty of this Ibex line is the research team has been able to take you know fourteen or fifteen products worth of material and whittle that down to five super effective products uh, that outcompete these large. Oh, interesting. Yeah, product portfolios. And and because part of this is that you can only you can only feed the plant so much, and you know if you if you try to flood it with all these different things like each is going to be less effective because you're just diluting kind of diluting the effectiveness of each one if you're going with a gunshot or the shotgun approach that's that's a big part of the other part is uh you think about multivitamins if you take like a one a day vitamin you know every morning Mm -hmm. you know there's benefits and whatever but if you take 15 of them or 20 of them it doesn't kill you but it certainly is taxing your system and it has to be processed yeah. Oh, okay. So there's a, there's a cost to each one as well. Exactly. So if you go back yeah. to that shotgun approach you mentioned earlier, yeah. now you're actually putting a little bit of extra labor on the plant to deal with this excess. And they're all mineral salts okay. at the end of the day. So they yeah. all have some level of salt that they're delivering to that growing medium. Got it. So they have to they have to process the salt, and then, and if you're overtaxing it with with too many things, it's, that's gonna that's gonna put uh, stress on the plant. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, it, it's funny. There's a lot more to it also uh, not to get i don't want to get too deep into it but in the soil so all of some of these nutrients are positively charged and some of them are negatively charged yeah and the soil soil's negatively charged so just like magnets positive and negative you know attract and Mm -hmm. then light charges uh push each other the way if you start to imbalance the soil regarding these electrical charges then all of a sudden the soil doesn't work for you at all yeah yeah, you you kind of yeah you make your soil ineffective. Interesting. How how much of this um, how much of this is just kind of the base chemistry of the plant of the cannabis plant, and how much of this is 
kind of a function of the way that we're growing it or that, you know, the way we grow it in these, you know, high concentration grow rooms under these, you know, controlled conditions and stuff. I mean, I guess if this was a plant, uh, you know, cannabis plant out in the wild, you know, doing its own thing, how many of these things do we need? And, you know, how much kind of come into play because we've set up this situation of where they're growing, how they're growing in this kind of proximity and, and environmental conditions? Yeah. So I think people are always looking to optimize their yield, right? They always want I don't think I could go to any cannabis cultivator and said and say, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you don't want more yield, do you?" <laughs> right? Their answer is always oh, going to be no, yes. Not more yield. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we don't want more money. So, of course, everybody wants more yield, and that's what it becomes. It's it's taking good and making it better. It's taking better and making it excellent, right? Yeah. And then the other part is honestly, when we started putting all of these technologies together, putting the nutrients together. Our hope was to take a grow and make the whole thing as consistent as possible. From Mm -hmm. the far west side of the growing facility to the far east side, the plants are going to perform identically. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it was to, now that Rec Legal has been initiated in lots of states and areas, Mm -hmm. the other part of it was to help the engineer or the lawyer or whoever, who all of a sudden now he can grow 12 plants in his basement and... Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a clue how to do it. Yeah. So now it's almost this turnkey program where all you have to do is this, this, and this on a regular basis, and you're going to produce some very, very nice cannabis plants. A DYI, kind of your DYI program. Yeah, yeah. and if you took that and gave it to uh, – it would be like taking a race car and giving it to a, a normal citizen. Yeah, Obviously, exactly. they're going to be able to perform much better and drive faster or whatever. Yeah. You give that to a Formula One driver, which would be the cannabis professional cultivator, yeah. and you know, watch out. Great things are going to happen. Yeah. So I'm curious. So you mentioned yield. I mean, you know, that's that's one of the kind of outcome variables. You know, But we're also looking at you know terpene profiles and THC contents and these other – kind of qualities that different growers are going to be, you know, looking for different kind of outcomes, depending on, you know, if you're producing, you know, a premium flower, you know, for smoking, or if you're just producing biomass to create concentrates, right? There's there's different kind of metrics that we you would apply. How do you kind of dial those in or or are there things that you do from a nutritional point of view that are, is going to affect those? Or how, how do you kind of drive with those kind of end goals that might be different for different growers? Yeah, we've seen higher cannabinoid percentages across the board. And part of that is due to that. Now the plant has more energy to work with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back to the very beginning, plants take a gas and they use light and they turn it into energy, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can take that critical system and now give the plant a surplus, it's going to be able to obviously make more of these, what you would call secondary metabolites or these terpenes Mm -hmm. and the cannabinoids. So that's a piece of it. Part of what we're extracting out of some of these plants from different areas around the world are that terpene chemistry. Got it. Interesting. Yes. Because they, they, so they, the terpenes exist in many types of plants. I mean, we talk about them a lot in cannabis, but they're in all sorts of plants. Oh, yeah. They're on spinach. They're on mm-hmm. you know all sorts of plants. And that's, again, it's that secondary metabolite. Like if you think, if you think of a, a cotton plant, for example, when a cotton plant is under attack by a gypsy moth larvae, mm-hmm. the gypsy moth or the cotton plant will create a chemistry, a terpene that it releases out into the air that attracts predatory wasps and they will come and or parasitic wasps and attack that gypsy moth larvae. That's amazing. It's incredible. And there's all sorts of uh, similarities too with the, with the soil and the, the microbiology in the soil, the biota. 
same type of synergistic relationships. Yeah. You know, that are driven by some of these plant chemistries. Yeah. As you've gotten into the cannabis plant, anything that you've kind of discovered or, you know, that's unique about the cannabis plant when you kind of deal with this sort of the plant biology that is, you know, that is either interesting or unique, you know, as you move into cannabis? Well, I'll tell you the most interesting thing for me that I discovered early on and I just had to get over it (laughs) was I come from a golf background, right? So we want our plants to look pristine at all times. Uh And in a cannabis grow, as you know, towards the end of the grow, you're leaning the plant out. You're trying to get as many of those nutrients out of the plant mm-hmm. to because they're obviously going to have a negative impact on taste and ash color and, and smokability or mm-hmm. you know all of those characteristics. And so they start to look you know yellow and brown and like they're hungry and starving. Yeah. So that's one of the things I had to just get over. <laughs> yeah, just because it's right? part of part of the agricultural process is that's you you create really good product at the end is you actually take that out of the plant or or have the plant kind of go into that stress mode. So that it's pulling that out of the actual plant product that you're going to harvest. Exactly. Well, and another thing that was interesting to me was how a plant will hermaphrodite out. So, you know, under, I mean, it can happen naturally, but then under stress, of course, some of these female plants will start to hermaphrodite out. And I feel like I don't have, this is totally anecdotal. I don't have any evidence to this yet, but I really feel like some of the compounds we use and put into these products are going to significantly help those situations and prevent that from happening. Yeah. And, and for those that have, haven't gotten into the real science of this thing, so we're only, in grows, we're only using the female plant because that's what flowers and the flower is what we use. And so, and, and I've heard about this, I don't really know much about it, but some plants will actually say, hey, well, this is a, a grow house full of female plants. I should start to actually look and behave more like a male plant. <laughs> so that's the hermaphrodite out part. What is actually happening in the biology there? So the female plant under stress, you know, plants at the end of the day, they always want to procreate yeah. and they want to keep their lines going, their genetic line going. So their last ditch effort will do be everything they can to produce seed. Yeah. And that's that's basically what what's happening. So unlike a tomato plant, which naturally has the boy parts and the, and the mm-hmm. girl parts together, yeah. a cannabis plant's a little different. You have boys and you have girls mm-hmm. and then you have hermaphrodites. So the boy has to, you know, spit out some pollen. The girl plant collects it, catches it into the pistol, mm-hmm. and then that's where seed is produced. Yeah. So in a situation where there are no boys and there's lots of stress, the plant will create boy parts and make it happen. Yeah. Interesting. It's wild. Yeah, it really is. So, and tell us a little bit about where, kind of where you're at from a business point of view. What are your next stages? So you've got these, these great products. You're working with the cultivators, this idea of, you know, creating the DIY home kind of grow kit solution kind of thing. Where's the trajectory of the business going at this point? So currently we've done, you know, close to two and a half years worth of research and product development. It was very important. The formulation team and the developers are super talented. And, you know, it's very important to have very clean formulas that would not clog lines, that would not be a problem to use for people. Mm -hmm. So all of that work has been done. The research has been done as far as rating and understanding how to grow and rate the products in different growing medias. So now it's a really exciting time for us because we're launching and kind of going to market. Yeah, excellent. Picked up some distribution in the southern part of the United States and some distribution in Canada. 
and it's, it's 2020 is going to be a great summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an interesting, interesting time of year and interesting uh, situation with the industry right now. It's, Steve, if people want to find out more about you, about IBEX, what's the best way to get that information? So you can go to our website, which is www.ibexnutrition.com, and that's I-B-E-X, nutrition.com. And there's a lot of information there on the website. There's a contact tab. So you can hit that and shoot an email and someone from the team will get back to you. If you wanted to contact me directly, you could email me at steve at epoch, which is E-P-O-C-H science.com. I would be more than happy to receive your email and respond. And then you can check me out on Instagram if you want to see some of the things I do Mm, as my home projects, which I'm at. uh, My handle is Steve underscore Loveday, L-O-V-E-D-A-Y. 13. All right. I will make sure that the links are in the show notes and the handles are in the show notes so people can click through and get that information. Steve, this has been a pleasure. I think this is the most I've learned about <laughs> plant biology and defense mechanisms <laughs> and all this. So educational, fun. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time today. You bet, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.